The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. What happened yesterday is astounding. Trump's there before hundreds of thousands of people. And then they go to the Capitol. And the news immediately starts saying Trump supporters had taken over the Capitol. The agitators of Antifa was there. They incited it. There's pictures of the police opening up the barricade and even flagging them to come in. Those police were in on it. And of course, some Trump people just went onto the steps. They've got face recognition that proved that they're anti-fry. They saw the same people there in other states before. They staged this thing. They literally staged the police inside the building pushing back the so-called protesters. We have one of our supporters and followers, Kertas, who was there and witnessed everything. He writes, I was in D.C. on January 6, 2021. It was a staged event. Certain actors and Capitol Police played a game that I witnessed for around 30 to 40 minutes from around 2 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Antifa and possibly a militia group were the bad actors that day. I want to interject what he's talking about. This group dynamics. You put agitators in there and other people join in with that. They incite that. He continues, Antifi and possibly a militia group were the bad actors that day. He writes, These people had helmets, gas masks, and protective gear on. The news media... And the Democrats are selling the big lie. It is fake. You go look. You research and look at it. As the police engage the rioters, it looks like they're dancing with each other. Study it. You research it. It is all staged. Nobody trying to bust through the line. No, the police not trying to stop them. It's as if they're dancing. Did the girl get shot? Yeah. 
Trump people do not want to take over the White House or the Capitol. Immediately they say this is sedition. If it's sedition, why did the police let them in? And what was the plan? What were they going to take over? If this is sedition, this is the most pitiful sedition anybody's ever planned in the history of the world. Where was the organization? Only in the agitators. To use the excuse of so many numbers of people to make you think and make the people that Trump calls this. They plan this. They want to make it so big, they exaggerate it beyond imagination. So if I say they planned it, you have to have evidence. NPR, National Public Radio, put out an article, and it says, Trump supporters storm U.S. Capitol, comma, clash with police. All written in big letters. See, that was breaking news on January 6, 2021. Except one problem, somebody goofed at NPR about that timing. All this is premeditated. How do we know? Because they put that out at 9.33 Eastern Time. Hours before even Trump started speaking. And still hours before anybody went to the Capitol building. That's on record. It's printed. And all they do right now, CNN, all these people are playing the soundtrack of the writers in everything they do. All these news medias, every time they report it, they have this in the background. It's propaganda. It's brainwashing. And you have many people out there who are labeled low-information people. They believe what they hear. It was just a little puff of smoke. And you would think that the whole United States was just taken over. You know what? It is. They did do that. That's exactly what's happening. But it's not on Trump's side. It's not on the right side. Even in the middle, it's on the left. The Democrats are stealing this to take over the United States of America. If Biden gets in there, you're done. The church is done. We are over. So they had to make this situation, make it into something that it's not, even though Antifa was there. In fact, almost everywhere Antifa went, important Washington, different places, was always bigger than what happened there. It wasn't a big deal. And you can tell by the lying voices. Listen to Chuck Schumer, the minority leader, and as you hear him, Think about what he's saying about what happened yesterday. Mr. President, it is very, very difficult to put into words what has transpired today. I have never lived through or even imagined an experience like the one we have just witnessed in this Capitol. President Franklin Roosevelt set aside December 7, 1941 as a day that will live in infamy. Unfortunately, we can now add January 6th, 2021, to that very short list of dates in American history that will live forever in infamy. This temple to democracy was desecrated. Its windows smashed, our offices vandalized. The world saw Americans' elected officials hurriedly ushered out because they were in harm's way. The House and Senate floors were places of shelter until the evacuation was ordered, leaving rioters to stalk these hallowed halls. Lawmakers and our staffs, average citizens who love their country, serve it every day, feared for their lives. These images were projected to the world. Foreign embassies cabled home their, capital, their home capitals to report the harrowing scenes at the very heart of our democracy. This will be a stain on our country not so easily washed away. The final, terrible, indelible legacy of the 45th President of the United States, undoubtedly our worst. I want to be very clear. Those who perform these reprehensible acts cannot be called protesters. No. These were rioters and insurrectionists, goons and thugs, domestic terrorists. They do not represent America. 
There were a few thousand violent extremists who tried to take over the Capitol building and attack our democracy. They must and should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, hopefully by this administration, if not, certainly by the next. They should be provided no leniency. I want to thank the many of the Capitol Hill Police and Secret Service and local police who kept us safe today and worked to clear the Capitol and return it to its rightful owners and its rightful purpose. I want to thank the leaders, Democrat and Republican, House and Senate. It was Speaker Pelosi, Leader McConnell, Leader McCarthy and myself who came together and decided that these thugs would not succeed that we would finish the work that our Constitution requires us to complete in the very legislative chambers of the House and Senate that were desecrated, but we know always belong to the people and do again tonight. But make no mistake, make no mistake, my friends, today's events did not happen spontaneously. The president who promoted conspiracy theories that motivated these thugs the president who exhorted them to come to our nation's capital, egged them on. He hardly ever discourages violence and more often encourages it. This president bears a great deal of the blame. This mob was in good part President Trump's doing, incited by his words, his lies. This violence in good part, his responsibility, his everlasting shame. Today's events certainly, certainly would not have happened without him. Now, January 6th will go down as one of the darkest days in recent American history. A final warning to our nation about the consequences of a demagogic president, the people who enable him, the captive media that parrots his lies, and the people who follow him as he attempts to push America to the brink of ruin. As we reconvene tonight, let us remember, in the end, all this mob has really accomplished is to delay our work by a few hours. We will resume our responsibilities now, and we will finish our task tonight. The House and Senate chambers will be restored good as new and ready for legislating in short order. The counting of the electoral votes is our sacred duty. Democracy's roots in this nation are deep, they're strong, and they will not be undone, ever, by a group of thugs. Democracy will triumph, as it has for centuries. So to my fellow Americans, who were shocked and appalled by the images on their televisions today, and who are worried about the future of this country, let me speak to you directly. The divisions in our country clearly run deep, but we are a resilient, forward-looking, and optimistic people. And we will begin the hard work of repairing this nation tonight, because here in America, we do hard things. In America, we always overcome our challenges. Yield the floor. He said all this after a couple of hours was over which is a contradictory statement because he said as big as Pearl Harbor and World War II, and this only lasted a couple hours. January 6th will go down as one of the most darkest times of America. Again, go to Sun 2. You know by what they say, the true intentions. Temple of Democracy? I wrote a book, The Devil's Government. And it explains democracy is the work of the devil. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. Don't let nobody say that. For years I've told you that it's dangerous. And everybody refers to us as democracy. Nobody says a republic. You've got to get this verbiage. Satan got it. Because it was verbiage that brought down the whole human race. When he talked to Eve. Don't accept that. This man is a walking lie, one of the lying voices. Isn't that interesting? I just quoted him saying, temple of democracy? Who's in the temple? The devil is. It's possessed. It needs an exorcism. That's why so many bad things are happening. 
it is filled with darkness. And their little kingdom, and they think it's hallowed ground, is not holy. What comes out of both houses is unholy. There needs to be a great exorcism. And actually, that's what Trump's trying to do. He's a secular exorcist, and they hate him. Good is hated by bad. Republican Mitch McConnell said, after Schumer, this was our 9-11. What? How can he be so stupid falling for this? Unless he's part of it, is he compromised also? What an insult for 3,000 people dying in 9-11 and all the officers and the medics and all the heroes and this little hour thing that happened that if you review and you research is nothing but a gnat. It's not even equal to a gnat. All this has been stated from Eugenomics Today showing you how volatile our nation is at this moment, which means economics. Shaky economics, economics that you can't depend on. You have to put everything in your decision-making into your hands. You need to control your destiny through grace of how we're supposed to be living. You need to get out of the stock markets, all the investments. They tell us, all the financial advisors, you protect yourself through diversification. Oh, really? Where are you going to put some over here in the stock markets? Life insurance. Or heaven bid to put it in the silver. They won't tell you that. Why would you put your money out there in something that's going to crash and disappear in a second? All the signs out there, what just happened yesterday, is all part of it. We can't pay back $30 trillion. We never will. The only thing corrects it and wipes out the debt is a total crash. And it wipes out the debt because they take all your money out of the stocks. And all the money out of the banks, all the money everywhere else, every assets, this mortgage, it all goes away. And that's not going to pay it off. So that's surely they're going to take it all from you. But they can't take your civil away from you. And if you sanctify it through the miraculous measure around, it's there. You hold it. It's real. It's the only thing that is real that has an intrinsic value that man cannot take away. No financial advisor is going to tell you to buy silver. Why? Because he can't make money off of it. And when you put your stock money into that, their argument is you're not making money on it. Do you know in a crash, just having a small amount of silver, what that would do as far as your wealth? Better than that, if you're investing, buy your little homestead. Build three or four cottages. Let people live there for free to run the animals that you buy. That's your stock because it's livestock. Stock is not life. Livestock feeds you from your cows to your chickens to everything you have. That's real wealth. And if you can't get there now, quit trying to make money over something that is an illegitimate system. That doesn't glorify God, meaning it is going down. Our lady has told us that. You say, well, she didn't say stock market. Yes, she did. Because she gave the title. Whatever's not glorifying God is going to go away. And it doesn't. Agrarian life won't go away. And your first step to get there is get out immediately. 2021, you get out of that. I'm telling you. For your own good. It's part of our ministry. To safeguard what you have, your retirement. Can you have a better retirement, bringing dollars every month into you? Or would it be better that you have set up other people and families on your land, let them live in your cottages that you build for exchange of them keeping the homestead running? And you feed that. You have to have people. That's your wealth. Of course, the three cottages, I'm talking about somebody who has money that is investing If you don't have the money for cottages, you try to get your homestead. The first step of that is take whatever you have and put it in silver and start looking. And you better get in that as fast as you can. So we're going to be talking about financial advisors today and how crooked and how rotten it is and the lie many people have bought into I believe very strongly that financial advisors are modern dressed up con men. 
con in the sense that they are looking out for you, but no, they're not looking out for you. They have to look out for you so that they look out to themselves. They got a self-interest in it. Today we have a short interview with someone that we know had an experience with the financial advisor. We're not going to introduce him by name because of the content he talks about. And so when you were visiting here, Kelly Tyson, a couple of months ago, you had uh, told me the experience of your mother and accompanying her to the, her financial advisor. So why don't you share with the audience what your experience was with this advisor? Yes, you're correct. I was accompanied by mom to the financial advisor. After my dad had died, the uh, estate went to my mother. I'm an executor, plus I live locally, so I, I accompanied her to this meeting. The transfer went along, and the advisor asked a couple questions that my mother didn't know, and I was surprised that she asked me my opinion on it because I have a younger brother who is a degree in accounting. And by listening to Medjinomics and you, a friend of Medjugorje, I was able to answer these questions. And I felt like this financial advisor felt like that he... Something triggered something in him. I just, I just had that feeling. So we went on, and my mother made the changes from my father to her name. And toward the end, it got, it was very strange the way he started acting. His tone kind of changed, and he started acting as if this was his money, which is my mother's, and he would seem very possessive of it. It changed from that he was working for her that I think he was working for himself. He said that I will do what I think is for the best of your money. He made a plain that she didn't really have a say. Then he came back with that and he said there are new laws that you don't have a say so in decision making, which I just sat there dumbfounded. Unbelievable that this guy was saying this. He grew up in my one of my other brothers, so he's well-known in our family. My dad trusted him. My mom trusted him and because, you know, he was a financial advisor. And I immediately just sat there just taken back, and I just felt like this <laughs> this guy is one of them lying voices. I just plain to me. So then me sitting there at the table, and he said that to me. I, I would have packed it up, and I wouldn't have left there. Without one cent left in there, I would have had every cent in my front pocket and before I left. Have you ever discussed it with your brother that maybe y'all should be given a, a better tap on what's going on in reviewing instead of just putting all your faith in the financial advisor is can be trusted? Yeah, I, I should do that. Well, I would do I'll that. I'd call him. It'd be a very good idea. Tell him you got concerns about this, and anybody that's doing that, the financial advisor makes the money off. Of her money. The truth of the matter is, it is his money. It's a natural yeah. self-interest thing that goes, and very few people are going to be not looking out for themselves. It's like he took it to a new level, possessiveness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not just his job. That's what it seemed like to me. In regards to another note about financial advisors, we have someone else are going to share their experiences working for a company that gives her the credibility to say what she says. And of course, we were not introducing her by name because what she reveals. So tell us your experience during that period of time. Originally, my husband and I were starting off, started our family, and a friend of my husband's said, once you come into the office, he was a, a financial advisor, and he was trying to get new business. He said, come into the office. I'll uh, set you guys up. You know, you're trying to start a family, start a house, get your finances in order. And so we did, and he really got us. He um, he pulled us in heavy. We were young, didn't really know any better. And once your clients of this company, they make you come in once a year at least for a yearly review, an annual review. 
And so we would go in for our annual reviews. And last year we went in for our annual review and things just weren't adding up. And I had a lot of questions. And so I asked the questions. And before I left that annual review, I had a job because I agreed to the job. I, I did. But they said, you have a knack for this. You, you can you can do this. You understand what's going on. You can see past the paper. You can see past what's on the paper and you know what questions to ask and what to do and what to say. And so I took the job. I was an assistant starting out to a few financial advisors and financial representatives. I did not stay at the company very long, less than a year. I was very uncomfortable with the whole concept, the whole process, especially once I got on the other side of it. Once I was inside the company, I was very uncomfortable, and it just, we were not happy with how they were going. How many people worked in your office? A little over 20, not all financial advisors. I was the only assistant. We had an office manager and one who's more of an HR role, and then the rest were all financial advisors and financial representatives, so a solid 20 at least. I was very uncomfortable once I got inside the job and on the other side of it, once I saw how things truly worked and the concept behind the money marketing with them and the layout of the company and, and just how it all worked. The job itself was easy. The paperwork was easy, but it was very stressful. I truly lost sleep at night because I couldn't sleep with my conscience, knowing how my job operated, how I was getting a paycheck. I couldn't live like that, so I quit my job. What was the typical pay from the low end to the high end? For a financial advisor, with that company and with most financial companies, there is no income cap. So you could make however much you wanted to. It was very, very easy to make six figures for a financial advisor. Every client that you have, every transaction is what they call residual income. So it's not just a one-time paycheck. Every single month that you have a, a contract or a policy with that financial advisor, they get money every single month from one thing that they did. One thing, um, you mean the client? For example, I would start the, the paperwork and set up an account for a client. And if they wanted, just for an example, a life insurance policy and to work on their IRA or a 401k, we would initially do that paperwork and we would set it up. But those type of things, life insurance policies, IRAs and things like that, they go every month. They Some sort of action has to happen every month. You're putting money into it every month. You're building this. And the financial advisor would get money for every single action that was taken every single month. Even if they leave the company, it's called residual income, they were able to make money off of those clients. And one advisor that I worked for, he had been an advisor for eight years, I do believe. And it got to the point where he was making well over six figures and he just technically still worked for the firm, but he quit working because he had so much residual income because he had built his client base. He didn't have to work anymore because he had all the residual income coming in wow. until Corona hit and wow. then he had to work. How much money was that? Do you know? It did vary. A few would be upper six figures easily. The ones that had been doing it, you know, 10, 15, 20 years but then there were some that they were comfortable. They said, you know what? I've put my time in. I'm making good money. Now I'm going to enjoy myself. But then some were just money hungry and so greedy, and it was never enough. And they worked and worked and worked 24-7 when they were more than fine financially. But it was just the greed and the just the starvation. of well, Who's paying the salary? The clients pay the salary, for sure, without a doubt. How do they convince them to do that? Do they keep it veiled from the client? Yes and no. Information could easily be found out if you Googled that or looked into that and you really wanted to know. But they do not come out openly and say, hey, won't you, you know, let us 
move your your finances from a small cap to a large cap so I can make, you know, eight hundred more dollars this month. No, they don't come out and say that. Mm-hmm. But, but that's, um, that's what they're doing though. Yes. There's several different ways of conning. Yes, conning. Normal, average, everyday people, there's a lot to it. And if you got it, you got it. And if you don't, you don't. And they love to go after younger families or families with younger children. My husband and I were were in that boat. We had just gotten married, you know, and starting a family and a lot of guilt and just that classic parenting feeling, you you know, especially at first. I'm scared when I stayed home with our children and my husband was the, you know, the sole breadwinner there and our only income. And it was what ha- what if something happens to your husband? What are you going to do? So they prey on your emotions. Absolutely. What about older people? With that, they would love to dig into elderly or middle-aged and say, hey, you're close to retirement or you've already retired or you're 50. You know, you could retire in five years if you give me your money. If you give me your money, you can retire early because I can turn your money into this, this, this and this. Or you are about to retire and you don't have enough money. Let me look at your accounts. Let me see what kind of money you have. Oh, this isn't going to last you. Give me your money so I can make it bigger. So you can travel or you can pay off any debts or that you can leave it to your children and leave it to your grandchildren. They know what they're doing. They know. Did you have any experiences once they got to that point five years later and it didn't pan out? Yes. What were some stories? Corona was a perfect example because, as we all know, life is unpredictable. But uh, the market really, really crashed with Corona. And so the company and the advisors lost a lot of people's money, a, a lot. I cannot stress to you the amount of money that was lost. And there was nothing we could do because it was just it's a risk. There are no guarantees, none. I mean, Look at the economy right now. There's no way to predict anything. There's no guarantees and there's no safety of investment. There's just not. We lost so many people's retirements. They tried to get it back and they tried to play the stock markets. They, they tried with investments, but there's only so much you can do. You can't spend 40 years of building you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and then you wake up one day and it's gone and you just get it right back. Did you hear any of the personal stories? I did speak to a lot of the clients when Corona hit. My role was just to pacify the clients for the most part. So wait a minute. They use you, hey, we need a pacifier for this couple. Mm -hmm. So did they coach you what to say and what you needed to say? And what did you say? When clients would call that were very upset who had lost all of their money or most of their money, I would just guarantee them that we would do our best to get everything back. And we were trying as best as we could. But please know that, you know, we were to never take fault ever. You never admit that it's our fault. We weren't allowed to say, I'm sorry. We have to say, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry the economy has fallen. I'm sorry. I was never allowed to say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You don't take fault because it made us look bad. How did that make you feel? Selfish. I felt very selfish. Overall, I'm just the type of person who I will say I'm sorry to keep the peace, and I'll do anything to keep peace. And it was very hard to push blame on someone else when it was clearly that money was in our hands. And I had a hard time sleeping and and truly just going about everyday life knowing that, you know, we're telling people hey, give us your money now so in 30 years you can retire. And knowing that's probably not going to happen. But everything that we they told us, we said, okay, we'll make it happen, no problem. And they're basing their whole life, their whole existence. Every financial move that they made was based on what we said. And yet there's no guarantees, nothing. Another big part of that was the life insurance policies that we would sell. That was the biggest moneymaker. That's how you pull people in. Financial advisors is truly anyone that advises you on how to spend money. 
Um, it doesn't have to just be these huge firms and these guys with suits. And it can it can be a normal, you know, average Joe, you know, just a blue collar guy selling a policy that's still he's advising you how to spend your money. And that's another thing that people need to be very, very careful of. You don't have to walk into this firm with millions of dollars to have a financial advisor. You you don't. Even if you're just wanting, quote, unquote, security, that's very, very dangerous and very scary that just average people can, can do that and can also get swept away. But life insurance policies were a very, very big moneymaker, and that's where they started with pulling in young families. If something happens to you, what if something happens to your husband, you need to have financial security and financial stability and it just doesn't make any sense though for example why don't you pay us an example you know a hundred dollars a month for 75 years we'll say that at 75 we'll give you half a million dollars when when your husband passes or if he passes before then we'll give you a lotted amount of money but what they don't tell you is there's fees at the end there's taxes and you have put in so much money, and most of the time you're not even breaking even. You're not breaking even. Well, how can you break even when you got offices to pay for, mm-hmm. 20 people working there? Who's paying that? Any gains in the end is mitigated, mm-hmm. but there's no way that we can anybody can be guaranteeing anything. Correct. So Correct. what would happen if somebody called up and said for their financial advisor, I'm going to put money in silver. Did they give you any training to avoid that? Or what did they say about that? Yes, we always would highly discourage. and They dis- told you to discourage that? Yes, discourage that. Because, number one, that wasn't business for the business. That wasn't residual income for the clients to invest in silver versus putting that money into a life insurance policy or stocks and bonds the clients were, quote, unquote, taking money away from the company. And they said, you have to discourage that because that's taken away from your paycheck. That's taken away from your bonus. So The financial advisor. Yes, sir. They lose control of it completely because there's no money to be made on silver. No. Did you always appease them and say, well, maybe 5% can be go over here? Or did you always says, don't buy metals? No, we always were told and always pushed money should go into the market. Money should go into the stock market. What good is it doing to put money into silver or even just a a little savings account? Just no silver because you can't gain anything off of that. And you want to gain. Wouldn't you want the maximum amount of everything that you can get? We can give you gains. We can give you dividends. Don't get me started on dividends. We can get you dividends with these investments. That was the thing. They could, but the likelihood of that actually happening is slim to none. So did they train you also if the client insisted for silver? What was the backup argument? Of course, that was their decision if the client wanted to invest in metals but we highly, highly discouraged it, and we would push and push and push and say, well, that's fine, but some silver sitting in your home or you know, secured wherever it may be is not gaining anything. If you give us your money, we can make more. We can double that. We can triple that. We can make that profitable. Why would you not want more? Do you not want more for your family? Do you not want more for your kids? Do you want to be in debt? Okay. We would be able to look, pull up their account and say, for example, I see that you still owe $100,000 on your home. You know I can fix that for you. That silver sitting in your home isn't going to fix that. But the silver sitting in your home is is yours. You're saying this because now you've seen the other side about silver because you work for Century Silver. Also, one other big thing that the financial firm I worked for always did was initially when we're setting up your account, Of course, there's a lot of paperwork, and you would have to sign this and sign that. But one thing that you are signing is permission for the financial advisor to use basically your emergency contact to call them, your emergency contact. If the advisor feels that you're not making a sound decision, they can call your emergency contact and and say, hey, I don't think... 
your mom or your friend or your dad, whomever, I don't think they're making a sound decision. I'm worried about them. They're making a decision in haste. They're not thinking through. They're they're just making a quick decision. So a lot of times if someone calls their advisor and wants to pull their money out, whether just to pull it out of the stock market altogether or put it into silver, just take their money away from the financial advisor and the financial advisor could legally, they had the authority to call your emergency contact and try to sway them to sway the client to keep their money with the company. A financial advisor hates silver. Century Silver has had over and over situations where an elderly person was going to invest in the silver, miraculous magical round, and the financial advisor actually calls the grown adult children of this people that they should not do this, and they actually talk them out of it. And this is satanic, and it's from the devil, because you can't lose with silver, and you will ultimately lose with the markets or life insurance. Personally, since I've been on both sides, now that I'm working with Century Silver and then previously working with a financial firm, I see zero point in life insurance policies, especially, and that's where they start, and that's how they really, really pull you in. If you're going to spend $100, $200, $300 a month on a life insurance policy, and then at the end of your life, you're still not going to get that money back. Why wouldn't you just invest that in silver, in gold, in something that is yours, that you keep in your home, and you'll have it no matter what, whenever you need it. But instead, you're putting hundreds of dollars a month into a life insurance policy that you may never need, and you're not going to get back. And if you put that in silver monthly, and you started young, you'll be well off. And when the crash happens, you're wealthy. Absolutely. Because your purchasing power doesn't go down. It actually increases. And so if you're doing anything, is what we always said about the Corona vision, is your homestead is your best investment, your animals, what you can bring from your ground, is your life insurance. Who wants to depend on a system that we know, our lady has said, is going down? It is just a matter of time, but it ain't going to be a long time when it crashes. It's instant. And you've got silver in your house, and also you sanctified it through a miraculous measure going around. And it, it in and of itself is not the number one thing to have, is your homestead is the first thing. But you can't go out and do that immediately today. But what you can do with Century Silver is transfer all these things, all the stocks, into something that is guaranteed never to be worthless because it's intrinsically has worth put there by God himself. We're going to hear now from Century Silver Exchange. With Century Silver, we probably get at least, I'd say at least one call a week, it's, and it may be more than that, of somebody telling us that their financial advisor is trying to stop them from exchanging for the miraculous metal Medjugorje round. And we tell everybody that your three biggest enemies to the rounds are, number one, your financial advisor. They will try to stop you at all costs. Number two is your bank. They're going to try to stop you from pulling money out. And number three, believe it or not, is actually your own family, oftentimes your kids, because they've got their eyes on your assets and they think that it's theirs. And we mentioned a story months ago, but it's worth bringing up again in the context of this discussion, that there was a woman who was considering seven, eight, nine hundred thousand maybe pulling out her IRA and exchanging for the rounds. She called us and said, oh, I just made a huge mistake. I told my kids they've got the financial advisor involved. I myself spent time on the phone on a conference call with her and her kids, and they simply don't get it, and they disagree. They were nice, and they, of course, you know, stated that they had their mother's best interests at heart, but the younger generations especially don't get it, and the financial advisors, they get it. They get that when you pull your money away from them, they're going to lose some income, and they hate that. Did they teach and train the employees at the company you're at to treat your client like their family? I would say um, that company, 
that was not a top priority of the company. We weren't told to treat them like family, but we were told to do whatever we had to do and say whatever we had to say and use whatever tactics needed to keep the business and to keep their money. So what was the tactics to do that? Don't get very personal. That was a big thing is we weren't allowed to get very personal. I didn't like that. We knew everything about these people, but yet it was best that we didn't get personal because things could get sticky. You would start to feel bad because if you're a human, you feel bad for taking money, for conning. I don't understand how this type of work has gotten so large and has just overtaken the country, the the world. I don't understand. But of course, everything was done over the phone for the most part, occasionally in the office for the annual reviews. But they did not want us to get personal. They didn't want us to feel bad for them. And one thing that I struggled with on that same side was I wanted to feel good about my job, whatever job I have, whatever I'm doing, I need to feel good about that. It's more than just, you know, having a a good night's sleep. I needed to lay down at night feeling good about what I've done that day. And I know some days are stressful and some days can, you know, are better than others. But I went to uh, an employee there at the, the firm and I said, listen, I haven't been here very long, but I need to know that this is going to get better. I need something. I need some reassurance. And I explained to her what I, I just said. I need to know that when I lay down at night, I'm, I've made a difference. I've done something good. It wasn't just all in vain. And I said, I need an aha moment about this job. And to me, an aha moment is satisfaction and knowing that what we are doing is is good or, okay, this is why we're doing this. I may have headaches and stress and phone calls, but this reason is the reason I'm doing my job. This is it. This is my aha moment. And she said it won't happen often. She said, but your first aha moment and your your moments here at the, the company, she said, when someone passes, when someone dies, and you do all the paperwork and all the phone calls and you get to hand the money left over from the policy to the beneficiary and to the loved one. That's it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get it when it actually happens. That doesn't sound great, but maybe when it happens, I'll, I'll understand. And so shortly thereafter, um, a man passed away in his sleep at a client of ours and he had a 1.25 million dollar policy i don't remember how much his premiums were and and how long he'd been paying on it but that was his policy amount his wife was entitled to that payout and that money but upon paperwork they say you're not taxed on it but you are there's loopholes and you are the fees the paperwork fees, the filing fees, the taxes, they left with a little over $700,000. Wow. Half of it went to the firm, basically, in taxes. Oh, yes, absolutely. It was handling fees, processing fees, advisory fees, and they got a little over 700000 and it was a one point two five, And that was the aha moment that I was supposed to have. That was it. And it wasn't much, much longer that I quit. I did walk away. You felt like you were stealing. Yes. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I just could not. So compare that to what you feel now working. At Century Silver, I truly do love my job. Yes, it is finance. We discuss finances, but I'm not stressed. I have zero stress with my job. I come home happy. I feel good in knowing whether someone invests you know, $100 or $100,000, they are securing their financial future, their children's financial future, their grandchildren. For whatever reason they are doing this, they're doing it for the right reason. I'm not stealing money. I'm not taking money. People that call in that I have formed a relationship with, they always say, do you want me to 
ask you a request for you next time I call. And I say, it doesn't matter. You can, you know, whomever answers the phone here at the office is fine. And they want to talk about commission and stuff. And I love the fact that I don't work off commission. I love that because it's not about me. It's not about my wealth and my greed. It's about your wealth and securing your financial future. It's not about us at Century Silver. It is truly about the customers and the people that call in and securing that for them and for their family. I cannot help what goes on in our country and in the economy, but I can help secure families that call. Do you get to talk to people once they receive their silver? What kind of comments do you get? I do. I do. Several people have called in once they receive their silver, and 99.9% of the time, they just go on and on about how beautiful it is and how it's truly just mesmerizing and how they weren't expecting to feel the way that they felt when they first opened it and they held it, and they just held it in their hand knowing how much of a difference that one phone call made just to place the order. And they most always call again and call again and call again because they know how important that is. You know, even if it is just a little bit of money, that's fine. That's better than none. And it is amazing to hear how happy people are. At my last job, people, when they called, they usually weren't happy, <laughs> but they they are now. And it's it's really, really, really nice. Well, if you just had a couple thousand dollars in silver and there's a crash, you're wealthy. Absolutely, because that's going to increase drastically. What's your, your purchasing power? Just a springboard off of what was said about when people receive their silver rounds for the first time. You might be thinking that it would be hard to believe that people would feel so strongly about some pieces of silver. And really the main reason that people feel so strongly about it and they're so awed by the rounds is because of the spiritual aspect. These rounds contain the images of the miraculous metal, which Grace is attached to those. Our Lady requested those prayers in Medjugorje. Also, the images from the apparition sites in Medjugorje and at Caritas. A friend of Medjugorje designed the round with purpose with those images, actually in just a matter of minutes when he sat down to do it. But those images carry spiritual value, not only for the person who's holding it now, but as these rounds move out into circulation, we really believe that we're going to see fireworks in the future with conversions because it is a unique collaboration with Our Lady. And a friend of Medjugorje, like I said, designed that round with that in mind. He does not take a single penny of royalties for designing that round. He has the copyright. He keeps that for protection. But never once has he taken any personal financial benefit from that. And so he can speak strongly about that, and we can speak strongly about that. As was said earlier, there's no commission for our employees at Century Silver Exchange. Just to give one concrete example of when somebody got their miraculous metal Medjugorje rounds for the first time, a woman called, this is about a month ago maybe, and I'm going to do my best to paraphrase what she said, but she said she got it, she opened the package, and she was holding it in her hands. She had sent in $1,000, and at that time it yielded her about 31 ounces of silver, and she was holding it. It was heavy, but all of a sudden while she was holding the round, she just had this thought pop into her head that, oh, Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. She's sitting there holding 31, and she called her brother over, and she said, look at this. This is 31 ounces of silver, something like, you know, Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. She's saying it to her brother, and he said, wow, you know, I, I never thought of that. And many people have described it to us in different ways, that to hold that the first time was a transformative experience. Financially valuable, yes. Financial security, yes. But the grace attached and the spiritual aspect of this blows everything else out of the water, and it, it transforms you in the way you think when you hold it for the first time. And so it's no wonder that the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje round is considered the number one specialty round in the world. There are almost four million of these rounds produced, spreading out all over the world right now, and there is nothing, nothing in the world like this that is tied to Medjugorje, that has the miraculous metal image on it. If you buy silver eagles, big mistake. You won't have the same impact. You won't feel the same. They don't have the same grace attached to it that can help bring people to conversion. 
you know, back in the 50s and early 60s, when you got your first communion, you would go to families. Most families were in an area that was close. And so we would go to the house, and they would give us a silver dollar. I've got 13 silver dollars. It's 1870, 1900, whatever. I still got my first communion silver dollars. And when you hold it, there's something special with it. But I know that when we first came from the Mint, after we produced the miraculous ministry around, you feel something. And that's what this lady was relating. Because so much you hold in your hand today is not real. Look at your food. It's that chopped up wood. That's a filler. Hold it together. You can't even grab a chicken at the store without not being half of it, be genetically manipulated, hormones. It's not natural. It's not real. There's so many things today that are not real, even though they're physical, but silver is real. When they receive it, you feel that. We've always said that you're the best financial advisor about your monies and your assets, and it's real simple. That's what Medjinomics is about. You know best what's good for you, and then turn that over to somebody else. You might as well give it to a robber. That leads me to one final thing before we provide our contact information. It, it may seem a little bit lighthearted on the surface, and it is kind of funny, but it underscores a serious point and just touches what a friend of Medjugorje said. You're the best one to manage your own money. We provide those principles for you. We lay out the information and echo what a friend of Medjugorje wrote, and it ain't going to happen. But there's many people who have been harmed by financial advisors. We did a quick, just a real quick search the other day for kind of financial advisor horror stories and we know, yes, there's good financial advisors, and by that I mean good people, but they're doing bad things. But this is just one example that came from the state of Nevada, and this person writes in their review of their experience with this financial advisor and their company, I'm a victim of this absolutely fraudulent company. So many things went wrong with the way they have handled my money, I would have to write a book. Because I didn't understand all the financial hubbub and never found it interesting enough to learn, this company made me out to be an even stupider person because they raked me over the coals and got away with it. Right now I'm trying to sort out what the actual value of my accounts are so I can decide whether I have enough money to make a pipe bomb and blow up my branch. And by the way, nobody will get hurt because nobody is ever there. Don't mess with banksters because they are all out gangsters. My advice Keep your money in a safe and out of the hands of the creeps that created it. And I mean, it's funny, but it underscores, like I said, the seriousness of how many people have been damaged by this and how you need to become the manager of your own money. We're going into 2021. It doesn't make any sense to be in the stock markets or diversification. Because what is it goes diverse into? Stock markets. Everything is up there. All these things are invested and are interconnected that when a crash happens, it's all gone. If you're not moved to get out of everything right now and just put it in the silver, you have a low financial IQ of reason. And we've spoken recently about this. One definition of an idiot is destitute of reason. All you have to do is reason all these things out and transfer everything you have. And if it's not enough to live on, instead of pay monthly life insurance, monthly exchange your funds for another fund that will be there in the event that's coming of a crash. To contact Century Silver Exchange, you can call us toll-free at 877-936-7686. That's 877 877- Nine three six seven six eight six. You can also email us at info at centurysilver.com or visit our website, centurysilver.com. Century Silver Exchange is a for-profit subsidiary of Caritas of Birmingham. It bears its own expenses and pays taxes on its earnings. If there is any earnings left over at year-end, it may make a dividend donation to Caritas to further its mission efforts. Many people are passing our contact information on to others today to help them get out of paper and into physical. Make this year the big changes you need to make for your future to be ready because we're in the 40th year anniversary and you know what that means. We wish you a lady 
We love you. Good night. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.